If I want the same for kids to grow into who they are right now and to evolve, I want them to have the same level of wellness and same level of self-love and empowerment and affirmation now so that they grow from a space that they're not starting from scratch when they get older like we are. You know, we want them to start that now. But if it's good for me, it's good for them. We just have to figure out how we bridge that gap and how we prioritize what we need to prioritize so they continue to grow and are able to advocate for themselves, what they want to do and who they love in the same way we're fighting for it now. So it's like, it's good for everybody. This guest episode with Jocelyn Reed is seriously going to blow your mind. People are always talking about ways to build good relationships with your students, but honestly, they are missing key ingredients. On this episode, she is going to share three ways that you can build authentic and dynamic relationships with your students, but also between your students so that you can develop a strong classroom community. Oh my goodness, you are not going to want to miss a single minute. So let's go ahead and jump into the intro. Hey, hey, welcome to the Culture Center Classroom Podcast, a space for educators looking to step into their power by creating a classroom environment and lessons that affirm, welcome, and celebrate all their students through instruction. I'm your host, Jocelyn Hubbard, an educator, teacher coach, wife, mother to five children, and your partner on this journey of creating Culture Center Classrooms. Let's jump into the episode. Okay, today's episode is a whole treat. Like I can't even, I can't even tell you how excited I am for this particular interview because this woman has, she has challenged me to think about just life in several different ways and really, and really encouraged me to show up as my authentic self, as a coach, as a consultant, and I love how she focuses on edifying and uplifting and elevating the people that are around her and the people that that maybe don't even realize that they're like in her sphere. So so I've, I've just said all these things, but you don't even know who I'm talking about. So today on the podcast, the, the guest is Jocelyn Reed. And I'm going to just read a little bit of her introduction so you know who she is and, and you can, you know, figure out how her story intersects with yours. Jocelyn Reed is has been in education for nearly 15 years, and she has served as an award-winning master teacher and instructional coach in charter and public school districts in Southeast Washington, D.C. and Prince George's County, Maryland. Jocelyn has had the opportunity to grow both as an educator and as an investor in building collaborative and creative learning environments and professional communities. In 2016, she focused on family involvement practices by completing the Family Engagement Fellowship with the Flamboyant Foundation. Recently, Jocelyn has worked as a director of partnerships in the nonprofit sector in Washington, D.C. In this role, she facilitated staff development and leadership coaching, focusing on proactive and positive practices and building culturally affirming classroom communities. She is passionate about providing engaging, thought-provoking training and building school systems with a lens of equity, trauma-informed, and healing-centered practices, brain science, and progressive mindsets. 
So all the good things I said, this, this episode is a treat. She founded Revolve Learning to continue advocating for equity work to be core knowledge alongside mainstream pedagogy and education theory. Her sessions and programs seamlessly take the science of learning and development alongside other research and transforms it into relatable and engaging content and learning experiences that are applicable to the current social context of teaching. Jocelyn holds a Bachelor of Science degree in elementary education from Seton Hall University and studied abroad to complete coursework for her master's degree in literacy education and instruction from Roehampton University in London, England. Okay, so that is my girl Jocelyn. And now I'm Jocelyn, she's Jocelyn, so all the J's, but it's gonna be all the goodness too, right? JJ, Jocelyn, Jocelyn, and Joy. So I'm gonna bring her onto the show so that you can listen to and learn from all of the knowledge that she has to share today. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on. You know, I was like, with that intro, I was like, Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's true, right? I mean, we gotta we gotta speak facts and give flowers when we when we have the opportunities. Like that was one of my mother's favorite things was give somebody their flowers while they're here, while they're living, while they can enjoy. Them. I appreciate that. I'm still learning and growing and receiving positive affirmations. That's you know that's something we could talk about too. That doesn't come naturally for everybody, and it's something that we want for our kids, but it's something that is a, like you have to learn how to receive positive words as well, especially if your lived context didn't include that much. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Like one of my, one of my kids, whenever I give him compliments, he just, you know, like you can just see him like shrink down because he's just so, I think, overwhelmed by it and doesn't necessarily know how to respond, but I just still keep on loving on him and keep giving him <laughs> right, yeah. all of the compliments. <laughs> Yeah, we need it. So, we still need it. We still need it. Okay. So I read your bio. But what else do the people need to know about you? I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm black and black, black. Okay. Now you see. Now you see. No, I, <laughs> I, say that, I say that because, you know, a lot of the work that I've been drawn to like uplift has been in communities that are predominantly black and brown and serve black and brown people of color and kids. So like I, I mentioned that because that's where I'm drawn to in terms of support and advocacy. You know, I'm a mom. We talk about our kids all the time. I got one kid kid not plural singular on that <laughs> we are opposite <laughs> we both have jocelyn as our name but we opposite in that one way right there no he's like one of the reasons why i not only stayed in education so long but i also branched out to found revolve learning because i just want him to see all the possibilities for how your ideas and your creativity and what he believes is his own personal genius how it can exist in the world on his own terms and so you know no, that's kind of like a big part of me. And then the other side of that is me being a mother to this young black boy in our world today. We have a lot of conversations and I know he's afforded a lot of opportunities because of who I am and the privilege that I have and how I've come about. And I see that juxtaposition from the kids that I taught, the teachers that I support in the communities that I support right now. And how the kids have this like much different experience than my own child. We talk about a lot of gaps in education. That's a very personal gap that I see every day. 
that I'm trying to close <laughs> in terms of how kids feel about themselves and then how adults feel that are in the lives of kids that need to be empowered and affirmed and all the great stuff that I prioritize in my personal life with my own child. So, you know, that's what I want to add. <laughs> no, and I, and I didn't say in the intro, right, but definitely watching you as a mother has really encouraged me to think about and be reflective of my own practices as a parent. I, I thank you for that. And I value that part of our relationship. But, oh, you said privilege. And that was not the direction I was going to go particularly. But I think that so many times when that word goes out, and, and let me just also say, because I didn't say this in your intro, right? But Jocelyn has a podcast and it's called Root Words. And so that's actually how she and I connected was because I was listening to her podcast and I love words, right? So if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know, I'm always like talking about words and the definitions and different perspectives on it. And that's literally what Jocelyn does on all these episodes, but she connects it to how do you actually take that and apply it as a, as an educator? And then like, let's also look at the student lens. And so that that word privilege though when that word comes up i feel like there are pockets of people that get on the defense and the thing is is that as a black woman who is college educated raised by these set of parents in this particular environment i have yeah. privilege too yeah and so then that trickles down to my own children right and like all that i'm asking you to do when i bring up that word privilege is just to sit with it and to reflect honestly and say, yes, because of these certain things that have happened in my life, who I am, the people and the perspectives that I have been afforded proximity to, yeah. then I do have privilege, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the, it is what it is. <laughs> It is what it is what it is to date. What you yeah. have gone through, your lived experiences, who you've been around, what you experienced, what you've taken from those experiences, it is what it is. And this is how you're showing up today, and this is also going to impact how you view the world, the prism in which you view the world. And that is and if it's privilege involved in that, privilege is just involved in that. How do you unpack it and move from here? with what you have and what you have been through. Yeah. And you know what, Jocelyn, though? Oh, see, okay. <laughs> so what, and, and I, I want us to go ahead and connect these dots here. Yeah. How do we start to think about privilege in a way that we acknowledge how everyone has some certain degree of privilege, right? Okay. So this is what I mean. When you were just talking about the experiences that your own child is having versus some of the students that you taught, like I think so many times we don't necessarily look at all of who they are and the experiences that they've had as a privilege, right? Because of kind of this definition. And I need to, I'm going to pull that up whenever you jump in to talk. But like, how can we help our students to even see how they can use where they've come from and who they are and the experiences that they've had to like say, okay, you know what? I've had the privilege of this or that. Does that make sense? Am I not making sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. <laughs> So this, okay. is, this is what I gather from what you just explained in terms of how do you unpack privilege for kids? Yeah. Like what is the venue in which you can explain this and how they can maneuver throughout it? And I think the first thing that came up to me was an understanding of identity. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that, but like understanding and giving them the space and opportunity to unpack who they believe they are. But also in an effort to also detach a little bit from that 
to the point where they can become empathetic of others and their impact on other people. And that's where the privilege comes in. Once I unpack all the things that make me me and my identity and all the things that I've gone through in my, my lived context to date, once I understand that, I'm comfortable in this space to explore that. Then I can realize that I I am not what I've been through. And now I'm open to see other people, how they show up. Student is able to explore their identity, to share their identity, to think about who they are right now and who they want to become in this space and then are provided these opportunities in classrooms to explore other people. Then they say, okay, this is who I am. And I realized that who I am I had an opportunity to experience something that this person right next to me did not, have not, has not experienced yet, or this is the difference between us and the difference is okay because we have these experiences and identities that we have shared. And so I understand mm -hmm. it. That's when even the youngest of kids start having these strong community classrooms and then they go out and they have a strong sense of community is because they've had those opportunities to be and belong in the spaces that they learn in, you know? And so that's like, I, I know who I am even as this little kindergartner, but I also know who this person next to me is. And I we mm -hmm. learn about each other and we also learn how to handle the differences. And all the yeah. little discrepancies between us. And we think it's powerful for our community that we're all different. So, so good, right? Because, I, and, 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 and this is why I love talking to you, right? Because I just threw out a bunch of, and you were like, okay, so what I distilled down from that, Jocelyn, what you were oh, yeah. actually trying to say. I And I love that because you're right. Like, so one of the reasons why I wanted to to have you on the show too is just because of how powerful your work is around relationship building. I've seen it in the in the evidence of our friendship as it has continued to grow, as I'm watching you be a mother, right? As I see you connect with other people in spaces virtually, the reviews and the testimonies from people that are engaging in the workshops that you lead, like it's not like you're not just out here talking about it, like you're you're living it. I love that opportunity for teachers to have their students explore their identity, right? And to look at the privilege that they have of being who they are, right? So I guess that's what I was trying to get to. We look at this word privilege as like, oh, well, I've had this opportunity. And so, but it's, look, no, I have the privilege of being me, right? right? Like right here as I am, hello, it's the privilege of being Jocelyn. And I'm good with that. Allowing our students to also understand and to see that and say, whoa, like he has the privilege of being him and she has the privilege of being her and they have the privilege of being they. How do you encourage teachers to create that space? Because I feel like that is one of the key pieces of building relationships. Yeah, I think that it all comes down to unpacking the space that you would want to be involved in just as a person, like as an educator. What makes the places you feel most comfortable being you true and then how do how does that translate to the classroom space that you are providing others when you unpack privilege that's only one piece of the pie right so i have a privilege of being me and that's a part of my identity in these ways but there are also so a lot of challenging ways as well that go along with being me so it's about the well-rounded person and how do we accept and explore all aspects of who one is so I think about, I share with you these three C's of like the big picture of education. And I think once you unpack each of those three things and what needs to be true for those to come to be a reality in classrooms, I think it creates a big picture of exploring identity as well. And I said, education is about developing critical thinkers. What does it mean need to be true 
for people to be able to be safe, which might be uncomfortable. I always say being uncomfortable does not mean you're unsafe. For you to be a critical thinker, that comes with being uncomfortable. To really get into the details and like break stuff down. What is it? What needs to be true for you to be a critical thinker? What needs to be true for you to be creative and to explore creativity in your spaces? And then what needs to be true for you to be truly collaborative with other people? At every great level, what does it mean for those to come true, to be critical, creative, and collaborative? What needs to happen? What structures need to be in place? What opportunities do kids need to talk? What pre-work do you need to do for them to be, to even have an answer with themselves before they do a turn and talk? Like really thinking through those three aspects, I think can help people, help educators understand how complex it really is to build learning spaces that are all of the things that we love to talk about now, like the cultural responsiveness, all of that. Like for for you to even reach for that star, there's a whole lot of complex work that needs to be done with yourself and what you believe and what you prime the stage with for students to be able to do that as well. There's a lot that goes into it. (laughs) It is. And you said, just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you're unsafe. Let's say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) Just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you're unsafe. And that's going to be the hallmark of relationship building across the board, right? Not just between teacher and student, but as you said, between teacher and teacher, right? I need to engage with my colleagues, teachers and administrators, but in your own personal relationships with a partner, a spouse, a best friend, you know, whomever, there are going to be some uncomfortable spaces that you're going to need to navigate in order for that relationship to grow. You know, if you're not, you're probably holding back on something and you got some resentment somewhere. You need to, you need to be uncomfortable to have those conversations to say, Hey, this is something that I'm struggling with. This is something that I would like for us to talk through further. Or this is something that I've looked inside of myself and I'm like, Ooh, why am I uncomfortable with this? Like this person is showing up authentically. What about them showing up authentically makes me feel threatened, makes me feel uncomfortable. So those three C's that critical thinking, which I think needs to be unpacked further, as you said, always like what structures need to be in place, critical thinkers, creative thinkers, collaborative thinkers, starting with understanding the students' identities and reflecting kind of on what type of space you feel like you can show up most authentically in, then where would you say teachers go from there? And this is a perfect segue to what we we had talked about offline before. popped in my mind as soon as you made that connection about the thought process that goes into those challenging moments, those moments that feel uncomfortable. All of that is vulnerability. It is the root of all relationship building, right? If you think about just your relationships in general, all of the relationships that are your deepest, most close relationships, you can pinpoint a moment of vulnerability that connected you deeper to that person. You're like, our relationship took another level when we had this conversation about X, Y, Z. They know more about me than probably anybody else, or they know something about me that other people don't know. Like it's a vulnerability that is required in order to have spaces that reach these three things as well. So in order for me to feel safe being a critical thinker, I have to know I'm able to make mistakes I have to know that I'm in the company of people that will treat me well in those times that I made those mistakes. (laughs) And in that process and me having that trust built over time in that and having those opportunities over time, not just once, 
I will then know and it will become embedded. And if we get to the brain science, those neural pathways will be developed in order for me to continue to challenge myself in these spaces, to continue to lean into the discomfort. That will be built up as a practice within me as a person if we are in spaces that prioritize vulnerability and safety. Teachers that prioritize vulnerability and safety. And that goes from modeling. Like you just ran through a whole script of a model of vulnerability. And it's it's been the common thread, no matter what interview I do, like, you know, do the rewind on the root words on Instagram. Every guest that I had on, even this last season, had mentioned a moment where they were super vulnerable with students. And that made all the difference in the world in their classroom culture. Yes. When they shared their own gripe and mishandlings and misgivings and all the things that happened with them and how we overcome that, it's like, oh, you went through that? Well, you know, I'm going through this too. And then we've had all, we have all these little ways that we can connect that to the academic content and it makes it come to life because it's real life. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you go next. It's like, figure out what you need to do within yourself to get to a place, because it's going to be uncomfortable for you too, especially if you prioritize perfectionism in your practice or in your real life. <laughs> um, if vulnerability doesn't come naturally, it's going to take a while for you to figure out where, where you need to go to share that with little kids. Because <laughs> that's the one place Indeed. you want to be super robot educator extraordinaire. When you make all the mistakes in the world and you cover them up, you don't want anyone to see them. But that's not yep. to kids. Right, 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 right. It's, I mean, yes, and and you're right. I'm so glad that you looped that back around. Teachers will say, "Oh, well, I'm going to have this this conference with my students, and I'm asking them all these questions about themselves." And we do. We want them to open up. We want them to share. But they're like, "I don't know you. Why am I sharing all these details? Why do you care about my weekend? You have not created a space." But then that goes back to, okay, is the teacher at a school also? And now, of course, right, you know, in our own classrooms, we can still do things, of course, to create space, even if in the school, there it's not a, 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 a safe space necessarily. Yeah. But how much more impactful yeah. for all of the students if they were at a school where that was prioritized for the staff, but then that means that the administration needs to be vulnerable. Yep. Then that means that the superintendent, right? Like it's a whole trickle down effect. Talking with with school leaders and everything. And it's like, okay, well, we want to have these conversations about implicit bias, right? And we want to have these conversations about racism and how do I create a culturally responsive space? Okay, what what pre-work have you done to create a a safe, trusting environment here? Because I'm I'm not walking into a a situation where these teachers barely know each other, but you want them to dig deep on some implicit bias stuff. Exactly, exactly. So I love that. How can we as educators sit with ourselves and figure out the pieces that we can be vulnerable. And of course we want to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, you know, this, this, this thing happened. I got into this argument with my husband. Nope. 0%. Okay. That has nothing to do with, with anything. Think about yourself as an educator, as a, as a student in the classroom. Like what are some things, or, or, you know, if, if you know that a child is dealing with something in life, because one of the things my students used to say when I first started teaching in small town, Red Springs, North Carolina, I had black students, Native American students, Mexican students. And 
it was like, okay, yeah, I'm a black person too. But one, I came from up north down to the south. And then that's going to go ahead and be a huge piece of it. A lot of my students, they were raised in a, in a single parent household or lower socioeconomic status, things that, that were not my story. And so when I would talk to them, they'd be like, oh, you a different type of black than us. You, you different, right? Or, well, you know, you must be rich because, you know, you have these nice clothes and your hair is done a certain way. I'm like, um, okay, well, let's talk about where we can find these bargains. Okay. <laughs> like, let's talk about how we budget. Like, let's talk, you know, like, look, these are some of the things that I dealt with too, but let me talk yeah. to you all about how I got to where I am. But I had to, I had to be vulnerable with them. I had to be real and say, yeah, there were definitely times when it was like, you going to eat this rice and beans. And that's what we're going to have today. And, and you're healthy, aren't you? You have yeah. enough energy to go to school and learn, don't you? You know? Yeah. 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 That's, you know, that brings up a really interesting component that I hadn't quite thought of before because, I mean, that might be a little bit of a misconception because if I say like be vulnerable with kids, we don't mean pull up a chair and go to your deepest, darkest secrets with the kids. Okay. And then that's going to open up this like world of relationship opportunity in your classroom. That's not what we mean. We mean being like attuned and responsive to the teachable moments and the themes that come up for you and your students. So if it's at the beginning of the year and you're just getting to know your students, yeah, you're sharing a lot that's just about you as a person, about you and your identity, creating spaces where kids just want to share the things that they feel best about themselves with other people. As time goes on and those relationships evolve and go deeper, the vulnerability comes in the teachable moment. That means that you have a few students that aren't listening well to each other and they're talking over each other. That is something you can tap into a vulnerable moment aligned to a teachable moment and a skill in your classroom that needs to be built. And those are the little moments that you share. You're like, you know what? I was just out with my girls last weekend. We were sitting around the table and we were talking for two hours, but I can't remember what anyone said because we were all talking over each other and nobody <laughs> took a second to just listen and focus on one person at a time. And that kind of feels like what we're doing here in the classroom right now. So we want to respect each other and our voices that we have in our creed that we made together as a class. That's something that we might want to process. I hate that I didn't remember what my friend said last week, but that means I wasn't listening the best that I could. So let's, I want to practice that as a person, even with my friends outside of school, let's practice that here in our, within our class community. This is what it looks like. How should we look when we're, how, what should we look our minds, bodies, and hearts feel when we're listening to someone intensively, attentively, you know what I mean? Like, so those are like the moments that you can do, but that was vulnerable for me to share. That's not like, oh, you weren't listening to your friend misery. Like that, those were the things that you're like, you don't want to share with kids, but it makes all the difference in the world and how they like, okay, yeah, this is, I, I want to be somebody that listens well to other people and people feel like I'm a good listener. I want to, I want to dive into that. That's skill building, but it's related to you being vulnerable as an adult and letting them see the end result of what you're asking them to do in the classroom. So it's like, right. you know, not deep, dark, be vulnerable. It's like, oh, it's like, <laughs> it's not rain, clouds and storms. It's like, oh, y'all, you know, it's relatable. That's what helps classrooms come to life when they can see like, this is real life. This is not just what you learn in one year in these four walls and you go to the next set of four walls and then the next. It's like, nah, this is how stuff shows up in life. And it mm -hmm. brought a lot of joy. It brought a lot of joy for me, even as a teacher to find out find all these moments where I can just be like y'all this is when y'all gonna use it this is this happened to me yesterday on the train <laughs> and they be like what it's like yeah let me tell you what happened this is what happened and this is how it had to work with me doing the time intervals for when this next train was gonna come up 
and now you're doing the lapse time because look, y'all. <laughs> right, right. So that goes. So I'm I'm always sharing my three anchor questions. What might my students learn about themselves? What might they learn about their peers? And what might they learn about the world? Because we have to make sure that all these pieces are connected. How much more open to answering those questions about themselves, right? And discovering are they going to be when they see you share honestly, openly, and vulnerably because these are children. They can't always make the connection to the real world. They don't, they can't see because they don't have that experience. But the fact that you're able to bring that in and, oh, I quoted you a couple of episodes ago because you always say, right, you're not teaching these kids for the classroom or whatever. So go ahead and say it because I need to quote it on you. Yes, you do not teach kids for the classroom. You teach them to leave it. <laughs> hey, that's what it is. But you can't, you can't teach them to leave it if you're not teaching them to leave it, right? To show them like, hey, this is how I use this math problem. Let's talk about, well, if this train comes at this time and this train comes at this time, no. Yeah. If you decide to go travel to a larger city where there's public transportation, like this is how this really works. This is why it's applicable. Yeah. Yeah. And then students lean in, students lean into that because that is, it's related. That's, and that's why when we say things like culturally responsive teaching and things like that, sometimes it can feel so lofty that you're just like, I don't even know where to begin. You, <laughs> everything that you just went through can be used in the classroom. Everything that kids just went through can be used in the classroom if you open up the opportunity to hear these things. Once kids are talking and sharing, you have so many opportunities that you can tap into and those things that they bring up are better than what's in that book. They're coming from their community, right? So if yep. I'm gonna use an example from the community to teach this, then it's gonna to relate to every kid in that room. They're gonna know about it, even if it's not their exact context and they lived it exactly in the community, they'll know enough about it to be able to connect to, like, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it so I can connect to it. And that, mm -hmm. like, and then tell kids to bring them in, teach them, and then tell them to bring in any examples that they have heard about it at home, out and about, the grocery store, whatever. Tell them to bring it to you because then that shows them that you prioritize their lived experience in your teaching. Not to get rid of the curriculum book, not to get rid of the textbook. Use those as supplementary <laughs> examples for practice. But the kids are the content first, because that's where your teaching will just really hit. <laughs> Jocelyn, yes, gold, what you just said, gold. Our students are our best resource. They are our, and you know what? Guess what? They're free, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they, they show up every day and they want to, like they want to share. They want to be able to bring in pieces of who they are, like you said, and their lived experience, because- that's going to strike a chord more so than any textbook problem that you have opened up, any novel that you have opened up. This is, yes, this is real. I, I hear you, right? It's like, oh, I want to be a culturally responsive educator. I want to create culturally relevant lessons, but how do I do it? How much money do I have to spend? Let's start with free 99. Let's start with your lived experiences and reflecting on all that. And then let's start with your students. Those are going to be the two key pieces. Bring those things in first. And then we can talk about some of the other paid opportunities that there are, right? But there's gold right there in your classroom. Yeah. I like to think about it as like scavenger hunt style teaching. <laughs> mm. Okay. Talk like to me about that. Style. So it's like, it, it forces me as an educator 
to provide opportunities for kids to find real examples of whatever we're learning, whatever standard objective we're learning out in the real world and bring mm-hmm. them in. So it's like you challenging your students as like a scavenger hunt style, like find examples of this. When you find examples of this, you're going to be able to lead the class and share that connected to what we're learning to the class. Kids rise to every occasion that they can get to be leaders, even if it's in a small way and lead in whatever way they feel comfortable leading at the time and give them options. You know what I mean? So for example, if you're teaching, oh, I use this I use this example on one of the lives recently. If you have like a group of kids or whatever, right, that are having a particular challenge with each other or a challenge just in general, you see like this is going on. If you go to a book that you might, it might not be the book that you have planning to teach for several months, several months. But you, as a teacher that knows your content, you know all the characters that you're planning on teaching if you're an ELA teacher, right? You know all the characters that are coming up because you've read the text in advance. You could pull a theme from a book that is months and months down the line, right? Send kids on a scavenger hunt to find out, figure out, like there's something in this book that I feel connects with what you are going through. It, something something's connecting here is here three or four chapters find what i'm talking about see if you can find what i'm talking about kids will dive into that so when you get to teach that book later you have student leaders that are going to use their lived experience and connection they made when mm. you get to teach that text but you sent them on a scavenger hunt to find it and connect it to their real life and then you can use it. When it's time to lead the classroom, let them do that in whatever way is comfortable. They might write out a little blurb for you to read. They might want to lead a small group. They might want to lead whole group and pose questions to the class based on the connections they made to their real life. Give the, give multiple opportunities for leadership, but challenge them to go and find the connections. If you teach them proper nouns, have them go and scavenger hunt, find all the examples, take a picture of it, have your mom text it to me. Like if you see it out in the real world, proper noun examples, titles, book, you know, places, names, whatever, use technology, use it, have the learning come alive outside of your classrooms. Kids can't wait. They'll run into your classroom. Did you get the message? Did you get the picture? Here's the picture here. I found this. I found that. I found that. It is the show and tell that we don't do anymore. Mm. <laughs> You remember how excited you were for show and tell back in the day? Yes. Use it. Mm-hmm. You got to use these things to our advantage. Things that we just know works. Kids are excited to show stuff. That has not changed, but we're just not allowing them to show the stuff that means the most to them because we're afraid. Mm. <laughs> we're afraid. We're afraid of what they might come in or we're afraid that we might not be able to handle and turn those into teachable moments when they do. But this mm-hmm. is what we need in order to get them excited to be to one to come to school, to come to you and to learn from you. And let's circle back. Just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you're unsafe. Come on. <laughs> Jocelyn, I mean, all of that. That is something that pre-K all the way up to college, right? It doesn't matter what space you're in. Shoot, I, I was yeah. thinking to myself, what kind of scavenger hunt can I go do? You know? Yeah. That's fun. That is engaging. That is connecting all the dots to whatever we've got going on here to the real world. Like I am, I am so excited (laughs) about the three C's, right? 
scavenger mm-hmm. hunt style teaching it empowers the three C's. It inquire it empowers you to be critical outside the class to leave it right outside the classroom. It empowers you to be creative outside of the classroom and find these pathways and connections. And it empowers you to be collaborative because you're going to come back and you're going to share and share these connections with others. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it, you know, I, I was talking on a, a different podcast episode of mine. I don't remember which one it was, but about how true critical thinking can be scary for teachers, mm. what it takes to allow our students to actually be critical thinkers, to be collaborative, to, to, to create these cooperative learning opportunities that can be uncomfortable for us as educators. But when you see how your students rise to the occasion, oh my goodness, I I think about in my own classroom, I taught eighth graders and there was this one particular student and he would like only do work in my classroom. Teachers would send him to my classroom to do their work in my classroom. I'm like, what is the deal? He was like, I mean, I just feel like safe in your in your space. I know that you're going to help me if I actually need help. I know that you're going to allow me to get up and walk to go find something and you're not going to accuse me of being off task or what, you know, and it was like, oh, oh, right now I'm not accusing any of my coworkers and the colleagues of doing whatever, but like, <laughs> it's like, because I did, right. I created this space and I didn't, at, the, at those times, Jocelyn, I really, I didn't have all these fancy words for her. I didn't know it was culturally responsive and relevant. And like, I was yeah. just doing what I knew felt good, what felt right. What, when I, when I was doing trial and error with my students, okay, let me try this out. Oh, you know, that didn't work. Okay. Let me try this next thing. Let me ask them, Hey, what do you want to do? What feels good to you all in this classroom? Cause it's not just my class. You got to come in here every day too. And yeah. I want you to be here. Yep. Yep. And you look, you just mentioned that part and this is like perfect full, you know, I love a full circle moment. (laughs) I love a full circle moment because what you just mentioned in terms of like the educator mindset on when you're trying to develop critical thinkers and how some educators are uncomfortable in that space. That's the vulnerability piece Mm -hmm. is that if you are empowering critical thinkers, there's, there you are guaranteed moments when you as the adult in the room are going to have to say, I don't know. (laughs) You are guaranteed that. So what are you going to do? How prepared are you to face those moments? Or do you take it as a hit, a personal Hmm. hit to be seen as an adult in front of children, in front of young people, not knowing something as a teacher? Like that, you have to unpack that. You got to unpack that. You got to let that, you got, you have to let that go. You got to let that go. Them being critical, they're going to come up with some stuff you ain't never heard before. Right. Jocelyn, I'm ready to throw a shoe. I'm about to say, let the church say amen. Okay. You are preaching, sis. Go. No, you have, you, you threw the alley-oop for that. You threw the alley-oop for that. Cause I was like, you right. It's that they uncomfortable in that space. And so we, what do we do in those moments? You have, we have educators in front of kids that are running from that opportunity every day because of their own hangups with being seen as less than perfect, with being Mm -hmm. seen as less than competent on every single possible thing that a kid could possibly say. And so we don't give them the opportunities to show their genius. Yeah. To show it and be like, look, this is a space. You have to create the space in advance. Set the precedent in front of your kids that I am a teacher. I don't have all the answers. 
There are things that are evolving and developing as we speak. There are geniuses in the world, geniuses that look just like you in the world that are currently developing newness right now that I still have to learn, that we still have to learn, and then you still have to improve on when you go and become what you want to become. So there'll be things that come up and there'll be questions that you have. I might know the answer, but I might not. And when I not when I do not, that is an opportunity for us to explore and learn more. And I can't wait to learn more about the things that you come up with as well. Like that's mm-hmm. how you prioritize that. Can't, can't raise a question you don't know the answer to. That is a good question. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful good question. That is a brilliant question. Let's figure it out. I've never Together. heard that question before. Mm-hmm. Empower a kid. In, you know. You know how that makes a kid feel. Like I have never heard in all my thirty-eight years. I have never heard that question ever asked of me in my presence. That is a powerful question. Ask more questions like it. But let's add that to the list of things that we need to find answers to. That did not make me feel any less like an edu- of an educator in that moment because mm-hmm. I've unpacked my identity and needing to know it all. I I transferred that to the kids in focusing on them feeling so good about that moment that they were brave enough to raise their hand and ask me a question that I want them to do more of that. And if I want them to do more of that, then I have to make them feel empowered and affirmed and good in that moment. I don't want them to retreat from those moments because that is how their brilliance is going to expand. I could literally talk to you for another 45 minutes because I am just thinking about identity work and circling back on this idea of privilege and, 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 oh my gosh. Okay. You might have, we're going to have to do like an IG series. We got to do something. (laughs) It's going to, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. And I will go ahead and answer the question that you put out there. You said, as an educator, how do you, how do you prepare yourself for those moments when you have to say, I don't know? The answer is you call Jocelyn Reed. (laughs) You bring in Revolve Learning because she is the master at equipping teachers with with that set of tools to be able to build relationships in an authentic way. I mean, I've watched you do it time and time and time again, over and over and over. And it is, it is a beautiful thing. Thank you. So and much. I think what I love about being able to, to have this podcast, right, is that I truly believe in the power of partnership. Yeah. and collaboration. As educators, we talk about it, but I feel like we don't get we we sometimes really don't get the opportunity to do it as much as we might even almost want to, right? Because we're we are in our classrooms, in these four walls, and unless you have a co-teacher or you specifically plan to like, yeah. oh, let's all teach together, yeah. we don't really get to show our students what it looks like by modeling that. Say, "Hey, look, I'm partnering over here with the art teacher, with the math teacher. You know, I'm bringing in the drama teacher. We don't get to to show them that. Ooh, what a beautiful thing it would be. Okay. (laughs) So Jocelyn, how can the people find you? How can they find the gold that you are going to be offering? Yeah, no, it's so many things, but everything is sort of funneled, like revolvelearning.com, stuff is there. You can join the community platform that I have now uh, through revolvelearning.com, or everything's posted. You know, we'll post everything to the gram and all those things, so I'm at Revolve Learning on everything, but 
yeah, hit me up at Revolve Learning. That's okay. where I am. <laughs> That's where you are. Well, wow. is there anything else that you wanted to just add? Any last quote, nugget? To wrap it all up. <laughs> well, no, there's no way to wrap all of it up. Something that I've been really trying to stress a lot with myself is that sometimes we think about a lot of these like grandiose ideas in education is like, oh, this is what's good for adults, right? Like this is what's good. If it's good for you, it's good for kids. So if you think about what you want in terms of being a healthy, well-rounded adult, all of those things translate down in some way to what we teach and what we want to see in kids. We do all of this it's self-help, self-awareness, self-love. It's a whole evolution of all of that. And you think about why that's now an evolution of all of these things, right? Because a lot of us didn't get it. It wasn't the focus for a lot of us growing up. Everything we're doing for our wellness and what we need in our spaces. So when I say critical, creative, and collaborative, this is what I need as an adult in this space doing work that I love. If I want the same for kids to grow into who they are right now and to evolve, I want them to have the same level of wellness and same level of self-love and empowerment and affirmation now so that they grow from a space that they're not starting from scratch when they get older like we are, <laughs> you know? We want them to start that now. But if it's good for me, it's good for them. We just have to figure out how we bridge that gap and how we prioritize what we need to prioritize so they continue to grow and are able to advocate for themselves, what they want to do and who they love in the same ways we're fighting for it now. So it's like, it's good for everybody. It's good stuff for mm -hmm. everybody. <laughs> I love that. Don't get, hung up. Don't get hung up by all the terms and all that stuff. There's ways to break that down. That's the work that you do. It's the work that I do is finding the translation of it to make it something that teachers can stick their teeth into and really grab onto and really get like excited about it, right? Get excited about changing your practice in these ways, thinking about things in a different way. Like that's what we're here for <laughs> because there is no translation. You read these long books and they're just like dense as hell, dense as heck, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's hard to wrap your head around it. And then it gets tossed in your back seat. And then you're just like, all right, well, no, the, yeah. the gap will be closed. We're here for you. We support you. I appreciate you and all you do. <laughs> so I like, this is what we, we, we get to be critical, creative collaborators together. And that's, this is what we're modeling for teachers. Yes. We say in a, in a brilliant world, every teacher would have the opportunity. We're showing people that they can seek these opportunities in joyful ways outside of the classroom and that these places exist. So we have to keep doing what we're doing so they see that and that will trickle down into the classrooms as well. I thank you for having me. That's a full yes. moment too. You first reached out to me like, hey, when you gonna put out the next season of Root Words? And now here I am on your podcast. <laughs> Like, yes. Awesome. And that's how it's supposed to be. All those full circle moments. Oh my gosh. Okay. I literally, I cannot wait to hear all of your thoughts on all of the goodness that Jocelyn shared on today's episode. I had so much fun and I know that you are just brimming with ideas. So find me on Instagram at I teach custom and let me know your thoughts. Let me know what else you would like to hear. Cause Jocelyn and I, you know, we can hop on another episode and we can talk <laughs> lots more until next Wednesday. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your week.
That's a wrap on today's episode, but it does not have to be a wrap on the action you're taking in your classroom. The perfect next step is to head over to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash the checklist and grab the free resource I created just for you. It's called the Ultimate Classroom Diversity Checklist, and it has five simple steps that you can take to create a much more welcoming and inclusive classroom today. All right, my friend, grab your free resource and we'll chat next week.